Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's an American soldier in the custody of the North Koreans. How in the world this guy crossed the demarcation line? I have no idea, and that's why I'm not getting too deep into the story. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. That is the number. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Story broke this morning, and there isn't much. And and I got to tell you, it's one of those stories where I'm going to wait over the next couple of days kind of see what comes of it, what they got right, what they got wrong, everything else. You have an American soldier detained in North Korea. This according to senior officials speaking to Fox News. Because they crossed the military demarcation line. I swear to you, I have no idea how that is remotely possible. How is it possible that a soldier is is there and not knowledgeable of where they can and can't walk. A U.S. national, as is reported, on a JSA orientation tour, crossed without authorization the military demarcation line into the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. That's North Korea. It is neither a Democratic nor the People's nor Republic. We believe he is currently in DPRK custody and are working with our Korean People's Army counterparts to resolve this incident. Don't ask me. Don't ask me how this is even possible. I I consider things like this impossible. You can't cross unless you wanted to. So where were they? What was happening? What's going on? This is what I'm going to wait for. I'm going to wait to get the information before moving forward. Then there's the story that Trump is saying that he uh, is the target of another DOJ investigation into January 6th, a grand jury investigation. Trump saying that he expects an arrest warrant, and an indictment. Saying he got a letter on Sunday that he expects to face both an arrest and indictment soon. Uh Uh-huh. Well, this never ends. I'm not sure. What is it that they're going to be going after? This is from the, uh, the special counsel, Jack Smith. So this is all January 6th related, right? What what in the what in the world possibly is is next? I don't I have no idea what else they're they're going to be charging him with, but my problem is I can't get that insidious. I can't get that detailed into the down and dirty. Guys, I don't have the skill set I don't have the skill set to be as gloriously dishonest as some of these people. I could never reach into the realm of, of, let's say, Representative uh, Elise Slotkin talking about Pramila Jayapal calling Israel a racist state 
I, I couldn't do this. Focus for your party. So, you know, I, it seems like every week when we come back over the, from the weekend, it, there's just a lot of inflammatory rhetoric that's just being thrown around that sort of leaders often forget that people are watching and they take their cues. Leadership climate is set at the top. So I obviously didn't agree with Representative Jayapal's statements. She walked them back. Um, we also had some crazy inflammatory statements yesterday about the connection between COVID-19 and Jewish people for someone who's been invited to testify in front of Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee. That is a garbage statement from Democrat Slotkin. That's gross. If you heard that, you would think that this was all a bunch of nothing, but it's not a bunch of nothing. I'm going to get more into it. Pramila Jayapal, leader of the Progressive Caucus, representative for Washington State, said Israel was a racist state. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. made no connection between COVID-19 and Jews. He said that he has seen data that shows that COVID was biotargeted and would be more uh, uh, harmful to Caucasians and black people and less harmful to Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. You know what I said? Show me the data. With Pramila Jayapal, I know the data. She said the words. You listen to the way Slotkin tries to massage that and you wonder... Why nobody knows what's going on. Why people engage just their sides. Because that's a lie. And that's garbage. And this brings us to the people of no labels. Who don't bother me any. But man, oh man, do they bother, bother the left. The no labels folk. Uh, Larry Hogan, former uh, governor of Maryland. John Hudson, the former ambassador to China. I think he was governor of Utah. Uh, and, uh, of course, Joe Manchin. We need to, to come together. We can't be split into these parties and these sides. We need to do things that are right for Americans. The left doesn't want to hear that. The left only wants to hear one thing. Are you, Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, running for president? Senator. Senator, why are you considering this third party presidential run? We're not considering anything. We're not putting anything on the table and taking anything off the table. What we're basically you're concerned- not you're not taking a presidential well, no, no, run no, off what, the what table. What, with what, no we're ta- what we're talking about here is that no labels is something I've believed in for a long time, trying to bring people together. And I got involved. They're building, if I may, though, a seventy million dollar presidential ballot access. There's an insurance here. policy that they're building in case, but you know, if you can move the the parties. I believe in America promises. I don't believe in the promises from the two parties we have right now because they've gone so far to the left and the right. Are you considering running for president on the no labels third party ticket? We're not considering anything about running for any office. Are you right taking now. it off the table? We're not for taking president? anything off the table. What we're doing. You, you Senator Manchin, are not just, taking off running as a exactly third party what, candidate for president so off know, the table. So you know, Vaughn, why we're here today. We're here to, see, to basically present the common sense doctrine of what most people in America feel right now. We're not addressing the problems, the debt problem, the immigration problem, the crime problem. Everyone's talking, but no one's addressing it at all. And when you listen to the people across America, they're concerned because it affects them, what we're not doing. And the parties have gotten to the point where it's big business. Now, a lot of people will agree with what Senator Manchin said there. They're focused on their parties, they're not focused on the problems, they're not focused on the solving of things, and the parties have become big business. I think a lot of people will agree with that. This reporter from MSNBC couldn't 
care less. They have a business model that's better if you divide the country than united in the country. United, you don't have the, the same stroke in two major parties as you do if they're divided and go to your respective side. And I've told people, don't you believe that this country is as divided as they want to make you believe? Washington's divided. The politics is dividing the country, making you pick a side. There's only one side, the American side. And that's where people want to be. So if you believe that, and if that's where the American public is, would you be open to well, running see, for a third let, party let's presidential see where, Let's ticket? see where everybody goes. Let's see what happens. Maybe they'll come to their senses and start doing the job they were elected to do. This reporter couldn't give a damn about what Joe Manchin is saying. Couldn't care less. Can I get you to say you're going to run? Can I be the guy who breaks the story? Can I be the guy who brings this in because this is where the divide is and this makes good, juicy politics that we can make a lot of money off of? You could see... I'm telling you, when you see this reporter in, in this interview, you kind of see him from the side. Sarah, post this on our Rumble channel, uh, Tony Katz on Rumble, and all the sound clips we post the video of, so you can always see what's going on as well. So it's all there, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. You see it on the guy's face. He just He's just waiting for his moment to jump in to ask him again if he's running. Doesn't care about the problems of the country. Just cares about the running. The problem with a group like No Labels, first, it's giving the Democrats fits. Just like Cornell West is giving the Democrats fits. Man, they can't stand that Cornell West is running. Because they are convinced that West is going to steal black votes from them. And by the way, he is. There, it, it is unquestionable that there are people who vote based on the color of skin. This is not shocking nor surprising to rational people. Cornell West is running on the Green Party ticket. Which means he's going to appear on the ballot in a great number of states. If you are somebody who votes based on skin color, why would you vote for Joe Biden when you could vote for Cornell West? What percentage of black vote does Joe Biden need in order to uh, achieve victory in the states where things are close? Pennsylvania, Ohio, someone might still say Florida because, you know, that what happened in the gubernatorial midterm is different than what will happen on a national election. So exactly how many votes can the Democratic Party afford to lose from black voters? And the answer is not many. Cornell West can steal those votes. So the left is super worried. Now you bring in this no labels group, which anybody who is anybody would recognize is a group on the political left. They may call themselves centrists, but you and I both know that the center is no longer the center. The center is the left. If we are to take a look at history, let's just go back to Reagan. The center of the country has been moved further and further left. Not further and further right, nor has it remained where it was. It has been moved further left, and the progressive is unbelievable. It's an unbelievable lurch to the left. And so, therefore, when you do something that's centrist, it is actually leftist. I am not the only person who believes this, but let me say for the record, I absolutely believe this. I can absolutely prove this, and there's no part of me that could ever, ever vote for a group like No Labels.
because I don't believe what they are interested in is what's best for the country because they're predicating it, in my view, on the idea that there's a middle ground. There are some places where you are forced to compromise. There are some places where middle ground, I will say, exists. But I believe that Ayn Rand was right. The compromise between bread and poison is still death. And there are things that I will not compromise on. And I'm not going to be told I need to vote for a group of people that will compromise on them. There are some things like, for example, um, maintaining capitalism, fighting socialism. These things aren't passe to me. These are the things. And that fight is so necessary, I would never vote for anybody who would want to find a way to work with and come to some sort of agreement with. No. Capitalism remains and the socialists can kiss off. That's a standard. Because the socialists can't create anything. The socialists can't inspire. Anything that isn't capitalism, and I'm not talking about what, what they, they create different like, like descriptors for capitalism, late-stage capitalism. Those are all bastardizations. I'm not interested in any of that. I'm interested in actual capitalism, which means I'm not interested in the idea of paying off people's student loan debt. So don't tell me, well, we can pay off some of the debt. No, no, we can't. Should we note that the student loan debt bailout costs more than the Biden team said it was going to? A study was done uh, by the Penn Wharton budget model. This is for University of Pennsylvania. According to it, it will cost his uh, uh, the income driven repayment plan for student loans will cost four hundred seventy five billion dollars over ten years, tens of billions of dollars more. Then the plan struck down by the Supreme Court. Because Joe Biden doesn't stop, doesn't rest, doesn't quit. Progressives don't do that. He keeps going. Well, really, whoever is in charge keeps going. That's right. I said it. Keeps going and keeps going. And that's the way it goes. You want me to compromise with this? Never. This has to lose. Some things are indeed, uh, call it an existential fight. Sometimes we use the term existential threat. The idea that governments could pick winners and losers and bail out certain people for their decisions because those in power like their decisions, that's obscene. Winners and losers was the, was the Obama administration putting money into Solyndra. People forget that that's the original uh, uh, Obama scandal. Oh, Obama, he was scandal-free. No, he wasn't. Solyndra was right there for you to see. Picking winners and losers is absolutely anathema to the American experience. You rise or fall by your own doings. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have a better idea. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Take out all of the regulation insanity that might keep people down. Let them try and build. Let them go as far as their own skills can take them. Maybe a little bit of luck, maybe not, and that's that. That's the way it should be. And we shouldn't be bailing people out from student loans at all. But the plan that he's trying to put forth now as an end around 
to what the Supreme Court said. The Supreme Court, not some ridiculous district court judge somewhere. The Supreme Court said he wants to work an end around and it's going to cost more than the original plan. Holy hell. That's the reporting right here. That's the reporting. That is worth fighting. And I'm not interested in coming to some level of middle ground on it. But the no labels brand won't attract Republicans. It may very well attract Democrats. Or it certainly wouldn't attract enough Republicans to make it a player. I don't see where that is. Because it's one thing to say we need to come together. In the end, you need a policy. And policy can divide. Until they come out with policy, they've got nothing. And if their policy is some from column A and some from column B, they still have nothing. Is this is no labels and Joe Manchin a problem for Joe Biden? You better believe it is. And it is my sincerest hope, even though I won't be a part of the party, it's my sincerest hope that Joe Manchin runs. I think that would be great. I'm Tony Katz. A story I'll be digging into over the course of the next few weeks involves where we are with education in the country. There was a, I think it was a New York Post story uh, that IQ in America is down. And how in the world are we losing IQ points? Well, take a look around us and I think we can all answer the question. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. It's this from the Boston Globe. Cambridge Public Middle Schools eliminated advanced math in middle school with the aim of reducing disparities between low-income children of color and their more affluent peers. But some families and educators argue the decision has had the opposite effect. Let me say it again. DEI is hate. DEI is bigotry. Diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't rise people up. It pushes everybody down. It is a hateful system of bigotry that punishes people for their existence. And anybody who supports it supports hate. I will say it to CEOs. I will say it uh, to governors who happen to have DEI positions in their cabinet. I'll say it to professors. It doesn't matter. You, You can't educate because you don't want to. Get rid of advanced math because it has too many white students? Nonsense. Hateful, bigoted garbage. Uh, we're going to get into this. I'm not going to I can't I'm not going to get into it right now. There are a lot of things I, I want to get to. But we're going to we see the failures in education all across the country because we fail to recognize how kids need to be educated. And we have people who don't believe in pushing kids to be their best when they have the capacity because their skin color's wrong. And we will only be successful when we tell those bigots to go to hell and push them out of the way. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.
gathered around Donald Trump and that will enable this move toward fascism. I mean, this is textbook fascism. Um, and it, it's it's outrageous. It's incredibly dangerous, not just to to our system of democracy and our democratic values. It's just it's just dangerous because he's talking about wanting to essentially fire the people in the federal bureaucracy who who know how to run things, who make the country work, who, who keep our air clean and our water safe and, and who, um, uh, who, who keep us safe. That's Eugene Robinson from the Washington Post who says wanting to fire people is textbook fascism. And allow me to say, for the record, fire them by the thousands because that's what's necessary in order to stop the abuse from people that Eugene Robinson is trying to defend. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. It's fascism to fire people is a take, is a take. Now, normally, I would tell you that there's a, a lot of importance that should be put on institutional knowledge. You have somebody who's been in uh, the, the State Department for 30 years. They've seen a lot, and you want them sharing that with people and being utilizing them as a resource. You see this in nursing, and one of the big problems that nurses have is that older nurses have left. Those with experience are gone. Didn't get paid, this, that, whatever. So the new nurses, it's not that they're bad people. It's that they don't have the the benefit of the institutional knowledge, so they're learning on the fly. Learning on the fly means more people die. Not that the nurses are bad people. Not that they're proactively killing anybody. But time, speed, understanding that comes with experience, and that experience is now not being taught. Of course it's going to mean more deaths. But let me tell you, if I was president, I'd fire a thousand people in the FBI without thinking twice. All the top brass would be gone. We're going to start fresh. Because the fascism, the authoritarianism, is coming from those people at the top, just like in the State Department, who believe that they're the ones who who run the things. You're telling me, Eugene Robinson, we elect a president, but the president shouldn't have any say in how things are run? That's a weird take. Uh, in the intelligence agencies and in the Defense Department and everywhere, he sees somebody who who, it, who doesn't toe the line, who doesn't go along with every crazy anti-democratic idea he has. He wants the ability to fire that person and replace him or her uh, with a lackey. Um, that's what he wants. That's what he intends. We should believe him when he says, says it. And um, it, 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 this is a great danger to if we're going to talk lackeys, what in the world was Andrew McCabe? What in the world was Peter Strzok? We're going to talk lackeys. That's what we've got right now. That's part of the problem, Eugene Robinson. But of course, how do you describe it? Trump is going to, he's engaged in textbook fascism. Then you've got uh, Michael Beskloss. Is that how I pronounce his name? B-E-S-C-H-L-O-S-S? 
talking to Joe Scarborough. Remember when Morning Joe used to be an intellectual morning show? <laughs> Good times. Well, and, and, and Michael Bachelos, uh, Ron DeSantis actually offers a very good warning about what happens in a second Trump term with somebody who's right. learned his lessons instead of just being a bloviator that goes to Twitter when he's angry. Ron DeSantis has actually given him perfect examples. This is how you crush businesses. This is right. how you intimidate CEOs. Again, I, I was talking talking this past weekend to the Republican from uh, from. That, that, that's worked for the Republican Party for a generation who said DeSantis is the free state of Florida is a joke. I deal, this person said I deal with CEOs every day who are petrified, petrified that Ron DeSantis will notice them and they're keeping their heads down. They're not doing it because they know he has the ability to use the power of the centralized state to crush them or to make their lives miserable. Right. And you've got the front runner of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, the number two candidate by polls, Ron DeSantis or DeSantis or whatever it is. They're both fascists. They both want authoritarianism in, in America. And the thing I can't understand is what the words authoritarian or fascist mean. Yeah, I understand that. In the state of Massachusetts, they want to create legislation that makes it impossible for you to have a firearm. Who's the fascist? Who's the totalitarian? In state after state uh, across the union, you have to use the proper pronoun or there are people who want you in jail. Who's the fascist? Who's the authoritarian? Well, the, the, the answers answer themselves for sure. But the conversation here, they're fascists, they're authoritarians. No, they're not. You can disagree with them on policy, but they're not fascists. Fascism, by the definition, would be the Biden administration trying to work with big tech to silence the people. That's actual fascism. Business working with the government to silence the people or to squash the people. Actual dictionary definition fascism what it is that uh, the Biden White House wants to do with Twitter, what they do with Facebook and others. But all of this plays into the conversation of culture wars. And it's always the left saying that it's the political right that is engaging in culture wars. Over there on MSNBC, you had Cedric uh, Richards, I always get his name wrong. Richmond. I had said Richardson on my morning show, and then I said Richards. It's Cedric Richmond. Every time, Tony. He was a congressman, and, and now he is a, a uh, advisor to Biden, and he's a co-chair of the campaign. Not the campaign manager, co-chair of the campaign. Big position. And Cedric Richmond is getting asked the question about why it is that Joe Biden's approval is only around 40%. So I mentioned some good economic numbers at the top. Um, with those good numbers, it stands to reason, why is the president's approval rating still only hovering at around 40%? What's going on here? Look, I, I would love to say we sit around and just look at the president's approval ratings. We don't. 
uh, we focus on those challenges that are uh, facing our American families. And to the extent that there's so much chaos and confusion and division and so many culture wars or so many uh, acts and displays of racism, uh, if you ask me if the mood of the country is in a, a great place, I would say that the environment itself is very challenging. But as we make our case, I think people will clearly see that we're on the side of uniting this country, moving it forward. No one believes Joe Biden's on the side of uniting the country. But let's discuss this this culture war and, and specifically this point. The culture wars are so many uh, acts and displays of racism. Uh, if you ask me if the mood of the country is in a, a great place, I would say that the environment itself is very challenging. I'd say so, too, if you're saying of one political party, they're nothing but fascists and totalitarians and authoritarians. That's that's a heck of a statement. How how do you expect to unite a country if you've got a president who doesn't speak out against that stuff, but rather encourages that kind of talk? And how can you sit there and discuss the idea that culture wars are causing Joe Biden's poor uh, polling numbers? The Republicans are responsible for this? I just played for you. The associate editor of the Washington Post, an MSNBC contributor with Joe Scarborough nodding his head in goofy approval of calling the Republican frontrunner and the potential Republican frontrunner, authoritarians. Fascists. And you've been calling them fascists for years. Without knowing what the term means. It's like in the same way you call anybody disagrees, who disagrees with you, you call them a Nazi, because you don't actually give a damn about the Holocaust, and you don't care that you denigrate uh, the, the, the lives of six million Jews. You don't care if you erase that stuff. It doesn't matter. As long as you get in your, your, your little victory of the day. If we're going to talk culture wars, well, then that's it, right? So why is... Uh, Cedric Richmond from the Biden campaign accusing the right of the culture wars. This happens all the time. The political left says, we're going to do away with gas stoves. The political right says, leave my gas stove alone. The political left says, why are you talking about gas stoves? Look at them again with their culture wars. And then they go after gas furnaces. That is what happened. That's the timeline. The left said, you can't have a gas stove. The right said, why are you bothering my gas stove? The left said, why are you talking about gas stoves? Look at you and your culture wars. And then the left said, we need to do something about gas furnaces. That's what happened. You know it. I know it. We all saw it. Who started the culture war? The left said, we don't have to tell parents what's going on with kids in schools. I'm going to talk more about this coming up in a little bit. We don't have to talk about the left. We don't have to talk to parents or tell parents what's going on with their kids in schools. And parents said, we want to know what's going on with our kids in schools. And the left said, look at you with your culture wars. That's their answer. That's what they just throw out there. The left starts something and then attacks you for noticing. The left is so desperate not to find out, but they won't stop blanking around. They won't. 
and they yell at you for noticing. Their idea of a culture war is they do whatever they want and then they yell at you for noticing the evil of what it is that they're doing. In their world, they do what they want and you say thank you. It's, it's ugly stuff, but it's exactly what's going on. So here we have these instances of the culture war coming from the political left, and then we have Cedric Richmond blaming the right for the culture wars that's lowering Joe Biden's uh, approval rating. Maybe Joe Biden is responsible for Joe Biden's approval rating. <laughs> Maybe Joe Biden is responsible for how bad he is at all of this. And if you want to tell me, well, inflation's going in the right direction, sure. Sure, fine, whatever you say. Uh, let, let's see what next month brings. I'd be happy to see it. But so we're, so we're all perfectly clear, Biden's not popular. And Biden isn't trusted. And most people are questioning whether or not Biden's even awake. Yet it's the political right that's doing it's engaged in a culture war just so you understand what's getting said so you know how to ignore it that's the key that's the secret how to ignore it how to not let it affect you so you could stay focused on the task at hand which is open and honest conversation which they are desperate to get you to stop you just watched it all play out on MSNBC. They are guilty of it, then they blame you for noticing. Can't reward those people with winning elections. I'm Tony Katz. <laughs> Gas prices are going up, yet the price for electric vehicles is going down. This, this doesn't make any sense. Yet, I've got the stories to prove it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Uh, this was uh, from the people over there at WoWo in Fort Wayne, Indiana. WOWO.com. Gas prices surge over past week. A shock to many. Now, maybe this is just my beloved Indiana and not uh, the whole uh, country. Uh, they saw average gasoline prices there going up 47 cents per gallon in the last week. Standing at an average of $3.53 a gallon, that according to Gas Buddy. Most stations were at $3.49 a gallon. This goes along with a story out of the New York Times that Ford has cut the price of the Lightning, uh, Lightning pickup truck. Not SUV, it's a pickup. It's an electric vehicle, the Lightning. It had sold out in its first run, and now they're cutting the price by 10000 because more than, and I'm quoting, more than 90,000 battery-powered cars and trucks are sitting on dealer lots, four times as many as a year ago. People can't afford them. Thus, you got to cut the price. If you're cutting the price, what else is going to have uh, the price cut? And maybe the price cut isn't enough. Ford is going to offer discounted interest rates of 1.9 to 3.9% on certain loans for Lightning purchases. At that moment, even I, who has no interest in an in electric vehicle, although I think the Lightning is very cool, could say to themselves, maybe, 
1.9%? Maybe. Maybe that would work. Maybe that's a good moment. Lord only knows whatever the, what the other tax credit things are. I don't, I'm not even 100% sure what they all are. You can email me, Tony at TonyCats.com, and tell me I'd appreciate it. But gas prices are going up, and electric vehicle prices are going down. That's not the way it's supposed to work. If gas prices went up, electric vehicle prices should go up. There have been price cuts from Tesla. Ford has also cut the price of its Mustang Mach-E, which I don't know why they named that thing the Mustang. It's so freaking disappointing. Gas prices are going up. Electric vehicle prices are going down, which tells you that people can't afford the electric vehicle no matter what the gas price is. It's simply priced out of the market. It's not accessible. Or it has nothing to do with price. They're just not interested. There isn't enough desire for the technology. You can't force it on people. Even with gas prices going up, you can't force it on people. Very interesting. This is a really interesting and telling moment for these worlds. And really for anybody who wants to understand economics. That you can sell people on an idea, you can push uh, an idea, you could tax credit an idea from now until the end of time, meaning subsidizing it. But in the end, if it doesn't capture the imagination of the American people, it doesn't matter what it, you, you sell it for. If they don't want it, they don't want it. Because if people really wanted it, the price of electric vehicles should be 10000 over sticker. And with gas prices going up, and that's not the case. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.